All right, pull out your Bibles. Pull out something to take notes with this morning. You guys ready for the Word of God? Awesome. You guys hear the generator running outside? Or is that just me? Okay, then we'll ignore it. That's good. Open up to Mark chapter 5 this morning. If you're new with us, we believe church is a participation sport. And so uh, we, we, we think receiving the Word of God, is, it's sort of like football. If the quarterback throws it right in your chest, you still got to put your hands up and actively catch it, right? So God's a quarterback. I'm, not, I'm probably not going to hit you in the chest with a great word, but if you use your hands, we'll get it. We'll get it. God's going to speak something. So uh, receive actively this morning. That's why we take notes. That's why we shout and say amen and all kinds of stuff like that, right? Cool. Does your neighbor have notes out? Perfect. Accountability. Mark chapter 5 is where we're going this morning. We have been doing a series around here called A Church Like Home, and not everybody's been here, so I'm going to do a little recap just to kind of bring us up to speed. Is everybody okay with review? I was always thankful for that in school. We're going to do a little bit of a review for us this morning. So back to kind of January, when we were praying over the year of 2018 as a church, we were asking God, Lord, is there anything specific that you're speaking over us as a church to kind of give us vision and give us direction for this year? And as we had different leaders praying, uh, heading into the year, we believed that Jesus was really clearly speaking a simple phrase to us, Jesus people. That what God was saying to us for 2018 was Jesus people. And we believe that in that, God's challenging us and and inviting us to go deeper this year into, to put it simply, obsession with Jesus. Absolute obsession with Jesus. Jesus. And uh, we're not ashamed about that. We don't do the measured thing. So let's just jump up and down and get obsessed with Jesus. That's what we feel like God's invitation is for us this year. And in the 60s and the 70s in our country, there was a revival that broke out among the hippies, and it was called the Jesus Movement. And uh, Jesus was doing amazing things among the hippies, and all anybody could say about them was they're Jesus people because they just talked about Jesus. They, that's just all they did. They talked about Jesus. They wanted to know Jesus. It was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And so I was like, what do we call these people? Well, they just talk about Jesus, so they're Jesus people. And uh, we believe that um, God's raising up a new Jesus people movement in our time and in our day and in our nation. God is raising up a people to know him and reflect him to the world because that's what he wants. He wants the world to know him and he wants you to know him. And we believe that God is raising up this movement in our day, in our time, a new Jesus people and that it's going to be the greatest move of evangelism the world's ever seen. That's what we believe. And I don't mean evangelism in the narrow word of whatever our definition could be of it. I mean it in the absolutely limitless sense of God displaying his kingdom to humanity. So that if you didn't know what your life's going to look like, we're going to see that. We're going to see that in our day and in our time. So that was kind of our word for 2018. And we've been doing a series the last couple of weeks called A Church Like Home. And we're doing that not to necessarily talk about how we make this 90-minute chunk on a Sunday morning feel homey. Though I am all for that, and that's awesome, but we're doing this series because in the midst of language like Jesus people, revival, the greatest move of God the world's ever seen, in the midst of everything going on in church, we can't forget that at the end of the day, the bottom line is that God is calling his children home. That's the heart of God. In anything he does and in everything he does, no matter what language we could put on it, God is a good father, and he is pursuing his children and he wants them to come home. God's desire and his dream for his church is not just a 501c3 organization that has great 90-minute experiences on Sunday morning. The longing of God, we talked about this in our first week of this series, is to live with his people, 
He wants to live with his people. He wants his people, his church, to be his dwelling place. He wants us to be his church, to be his home. So I just want to say that to refresh us this morning, what we're doing, where we've been. And if you haven't been with us or if you're like me and have a tendency to not remember everything and uh, every once in a while lose vision or wonder what, what are we doing around here, reminder, we're Jesus people. That's why we do this. And you can't be Jesus people without being church people because Jesus loves his church and Jesus is building his church. He's raising up his church and it's a church like home. That's who we are. That's what we want to be all about. Amen? Amen. Now should we start preaching? Yeah. Awesome. Are you in Mark chapter 5? Yeah. Great. We're going to read a chunk of verses here that has two popular stories in it, but we're going to skip over one of the stories. And the one we're skipping is in the middle of the one that we're doing. So we're going to read a few verses, skip a chunk, and then pick back up. Can you handle it? Great. Smart people. Smart people. All right. So we're going to read Mark uh, chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 21. Read a few verses and then skip to verse 35 if you have your Bible in front of you. Mark chapter 5, here we go, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing Jesus, Jairus fell at Jesus' feet, and he implored Jesus earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. Did he come to the right guy? Did he come to right, the right Jesus here? You want life? That's good. And I love this, verse 24. So what did Jesus do? He went with him. Even if you have a really bad situation, Jesus will come with you. Should we change the message and just preach off of that? And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Verse 35. While he was still speaking... The story, other story had happened. There came from, there came from Jairus' house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any farther? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Everybody say, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? Jesus ever asked you a hard question that you thought was pretty obvious and you weren't sure what to do? It's kind of what he does here. Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. Everybody say arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. Wow. As we've gone through this Church Like Home series, I've referenced uh, the home that I grew up in quite a bit um, because I feel like it makes sense, you know, home and home. Seems like a direct correlation to me. And um, as, as I've done that, you know, I, I've been trying to remember things about home, and I don't have the greatest memory in the world. My wife, will, she just laughed uh, because she, she can testify to that. But, but there's one thing that I know for a fact that I did every single day of my life growing up, every single day. And in fact, I have continued this habit since leaving that home, and I still do this every single day. I give you my word. As your pastor, I'm 100% sure that this happens. One thing I've done every single day growing up and even to this day is wake up. 
It's this quirky thing about me. Every morning, I just wake up. And okay, those, that was like goofy. That was funny. That was funny. And so we'll try that again. Every morning, I wake up. <laughs> you guys are killing me. So if you're like me and you've made a habit of this in your life, let me just see it by a show of hands. Just by curiosity, who, who has a strong habit of waking up in the morning? Amazing. Okay, so we're all on the same page there. So then you know what I'm talking about. Because if you've made a habit of waking up, and especially if you've been doing it since you were young when you couldn't really wake up for yourself, um, then, then there's a phrase that you've heard plenty of times in your life. And sometimes it's been gentle. Sometimes it's been urgent. Sometimes it's been aggressive. Sometimes it's because there was a surprise. Sometimes it's because you're late. Sometimes it's mom. Sometimes it's dad. Sometimes it's a wayward sibling who shouldn't be in your room. Amen? Anybody? <laughs> it's been time for sleeping, but now it's time for something else. So I want you to give a gentle nudge to your neighbor and tell him what you've heard a thousand times in your life. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. And that's my title for our sermon this morning. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Mark chapter 5, a little girl is sick, and then she's pronounced dead. And Jesus steps on the scene. And first he says that uh, she's only sleeping, and then he walks into her room and wakes her up, nudges her on the shoulder. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. And in, G in this story, Jesus puts into action, he demonstrates for us the fulfillment of a promise that he speaks to us in the scripture that Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? He came to give life and give life abundantly. Jesus came to give life. Where the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus gives life. He breathes life. He restores life. He is life. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is a giver of life. And I believe that this morning, for us as a church in this series, I believe that for us as a city, for us as a nation, and for us simply as the people of God in this day, in this time, on this planet, that like a parent walking around the house, going into each child's room and nudging them, I believe that Jesus is walking through his church on the earth in these days, and he's nudging his people, and he's telling them, it's time to wake up. Doesn't matter the denomination. He's going into every single room for every single child, no matter the style, no matter the background, no matter the preferences, he's walking among his church into every building, into every seat, into every individual life, into every family. I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving on the earth right now among his church that's like a home and he's like a good parent and he's walking around just, it's time to wake up. And I believe that even now as I'm saying this, there's some of you that that's starting to make sense of some things that you've been sensing in your life. You may not even believe Jesus right now, but, but there's some senses that you've been having in recent times, and you've been wondering if it's just you, and no, it's not. I feel like God's saying, even just right now, there's been moments that maybe some of you have had in here where you've felt extra courageous lately for like a brief second, and then you get that thought of like, no, that's a bad idea, that's crazy, I don't do that kind of stuff. And that's not, just an idea, it's, it's God, and he's nudging you, and it's time to wake up. Hmm. Was that for anybody? Because that just, okay. This is who Jesus is. He's walking around, and um, he's not just telling his, the church to wake up. I mean, we can say that and say, yeah, that sounds good. He's telling you to wake up. 
you. Everybody point to yourself and say, you. You, 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 me, the person sitting next to you. It's time to wake up. See, Jesus had a plan and a purpose for this girl's life. She was only 12. He wanted her to grow up, and he wanted her to be who he had created her to be. He wanted her to live the life that he had given her. But there was something very significant in this girl's life holding her back from what God had called her to. She had one really big problem. What was it? She was dead. She's dead. She got sick, and her sickness killed her. And now it's in the way of the life that God called her to live. And by virtue of you and I being here this morning, I can assume that none of us are on our deathbed this morning, physically, literally. But there's one thing that I know about you this morning. It's it's that you're not dead, but I know that all of us have some life, right? Like, if you're here, you have life. It might not be perfect, but you have it. Anybody? At least we're not dead. We got that going for us. Praise the Lord. Right? But I have a question. What do you believe about the man of God that God's called you to be? What do you believe about the woman of God that God has called you to be? I know that you know you aren't dead, but what about the woman of God or the man of God you're called to be? What do you believe about that man? What do you believe about that woman this morning? Do you believe that man of God that you're called to be is alive and well? Do you believe that that woman of God that you're called to be is alive and well, or has that woman of God gotten sick and died along the way? When it comes to your potential, when it comes to your calling, this is what I'm talking about this morning, when it comes to believing that God can and will use you, when it comes to the God using you more than you could ever ask, more than you could ever imagine, what do you believe about that man? What do you believe about that woman? That man of God that, that you knew would rise up one day, that woman of God that you knew would come out of you one day, but along the way, some things happened. They didn't go as planned. Some stuff came up. Some sickness came. You're alive, but that person got sick and died. I want to talk about that person this morning. I want to talk about the call of God. Because we have said some things this morning. We've talked about some things like God raising up the greatest revival in world history and that he wants to use you to be a part of it. And that sounds great, pastor. Say it on the mic. We'll even say amen in church. But what? Really? I mean, regardless of that, when I say all that, some people, it gets you super fired up like me. You just mentioned revival. And I'm like, yes, it's happening. What? I don't know, but Yeah. Maybe that's you, maybe, maybe that's not you. Whether it gets you fired up or not, whether it sounds weird to talk about all that kind of stuff, I think that if we're all honest, regardless of where we're coming from, we have some reasons why that'll never happen. I stand up here and I say, I believe God's raising up a Jesus people movement. It's going to be the greatest revival the world's ever seen. And we're going to see it in our day. And if we're all honest, and if I can be honest, still sometimes it depends on the moment of the day of even the Sunday morning, there's these things that show up in me that are like, yeah, that sounds awesome, but no way. Yeah, right. That's great positive talk on a Sunday morning, but there's no way that stuff's going to happen. See, I believe that so many of us, if we're honest, we have these massive spiritual butts that we believe are getting in the way of God's will for our life. But I'm too old. But I'm too young. Yeah, I know God called me. I know God says this, but, 
But, but yeah, God loves me, but, but I've screwed it up. I've got this big butt in my life. See, you can't help but snickering, and I think that's God, because you can't say but without snickering about it. And Jesus says that you'll receive the kingdom like kids, and it's time to start snickering at the butts in your life that have been holding you back, and it's time to just laugh at them. Even when it's just one T, it's still funny, right? What if it was that easy, guys? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. How many of these things come up, you know? Like, yeah, but I don't know enough. But I don't, wasn't raised in the right spot. I didn't go to the right school. But I have screwed it up. But somebody else screwed it up. But somebody did this. But I did that. But my mom didn't this. My dad did that. He did. She did. But I, but he, but she, but, 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 yeah, totally. But what? Right? Yeah, God had a plan for this girl's life. Yeah, absolutely, Jesus gives life. Yes, God didn't want this girl uh, to, to, to die at 12 years old. God had all these things. He was gonna go to Jerry's house and it was gonna be awesome, but she died. But she died. Jesus responds pretty interestingly to the news. He gets the news twice about her death. One, while he's still on the way and one, one time when he shows up to the house, and um, he says some interesting things, essentially, between the two things, he looks at mom and dad when he finds out about her being dead, and he just looks at them, and he's like, yeah, I know they just said that, but stick with me, stick with me, she's not dead, she's just sleeping, and um, there's some things that we read in the Bible, and we're like, yeah, amen, but like, can you imagine how mad you would be at Jesus if you overheard him telling that to like a mom and dad a few minutes after they found out their daughter died? He had, like when you put it in context, sometimes you're like, wow, Jesus. Chill, man, like be sensitive, right? <laughs> She's just sleeping. I mean, what in the world? What kind of comment is that from Jesus? He's standing there. There's all these people. There's probably some doctors there. There's, there's people mourning, weeping and wailing, family, friends, neighbors, doctors, and they're all saying she's dead. And Jesus shows up and says she's sleeping. So is she dead or is she sleeping? You're like, ah, you ever been here in life? I'm, well, I'm looking at this. Jesus is saying that. I know Jesus is the right answer, but like, I grew up in Sunday school. It's always Jesus, but I don't know about this one. So is she dead? Yes. Is she sleeping? Yes. What? I want to tell you something this morning, and just so you know, I'm about to say it, and I know it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but because of Jesus, it's still true. And I want you to write it down in your notes this morning. That just because something kills you doesn't mean you're dead. Just because something kills you doesn't mean you're dead. See, there are these things that when we look at our lives, we see them and they killed us. We see different things in our life and, we, and we, we know we're alive. We're here at church this morning. We're breathing. 
But we know, you know, you, you and me, like, like me, I know that there's some things in my life, I look at it, it killed me. It killed my calling. I know, like, you may not know what it was, but I know what it was. That killed my calling. I know the things in my life that happened that came along the way and they killed my potential. I know the things that, that came along the way that, that killed my faith, that killed a relationship, that killed hope. I, I, there's these things, right? Like, we're alive, but we all know there's some things that we look at that came across and they killed us. And it's real. It's real. It's real. And it felt like death because it was. Jesus in this story, it's weird because, like, she's dead, but she's sleeping. She's dead, but she's not. There's death, but there isn't, but there is. So, like, everybody's weeping and wailing because she died, right? That loss was real. That sin that you look at that killed it, that killed you, that killed your calling, that killed your potential, it was real. It was real. The pain was real. That decision that you wish you wouldn't have made or you wish you would have made or whatever it was, it was real. And that's why it felt so real, because it was real. That's why it feels so real that the girl is dead and mom and dad and friends and neighbors, they're mourning because it's real. It's real. And sometimes, if we can be honest, I think us Christians or sometimes in church, when we come up against this, like we want to be people of faith and we want to be people of hope. And so sometimes our answers for how to handle these things aren't always the most helpful because they we're trying to sound full of faith and stuff, but it really isn't doing much good to anybody because sometimes the reality of coming up against some of these real things that happen, it's like, okay, just be happier, you know, like just, just, be, just be happier, just forgive and forget. I know that happened, but just forgive and forget, and it'll all be okay, because it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, yeah, it happened, but like, well, we believe in God, so like, it kind of didn't happen, because he can do whatever, so I, I don't know, but like, let's just forgive and forget it. Let's, let's just let it go, or, or let's just let someone convince you that really it wasn't that bad. Maybe if we talk about it enough, we'll realize that like it wasn't that bad, and then it'll be easier to get over it, but it doesn't always work. Can we be honest in church this morning? Am I stepping on some toes? Are we okay? Both? But we need to make sure that we're really clear on what the gospel is this morning. We need to make sure we're really clear on what the good news of Jesus is. Because the good news that Jesus brought, it, it was not good news by showing us that, hey guys, I know that there was the law and there were the sacrifices and all that stuff to show you the, the gravity of sin, but that was all the facade. It's actually not that bad. That was not the good news that Jesus brought. It wasn't just, it's not that bad. Everybody can relax a little bit. Don't worry, I'm setting you free because it's really all not that bad. And everyone took a big sigh of relief. It was like, oh, that's good news. That's great. That's actually not the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus is that actually he came full of truth and full of grace. And the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that when he came, he actually exposed the whole truth of the gravity of how bad sin really is, about what the, how drastic our sinful condition really was. He exposed it for what it really was, and even still, he gave himself. He came full of truth, exposed the truth for what it was, and then said, and my grace is sufficient. It's actually worse than you think, but I'm better than you think. That's the good news of Jesus. So was she dead or was she sleeping? Yes. 
She was absolutely dead. She was absolutely sleeping. How? And for you, how? Because when Jesus touches you, even something, when something kills you, you're not dead. This is who Jesus is. Because when Jesus walks in the room, even when something kills you, you're not dead. This is the good news of Jesus. Here's the truth about all of us, that there's actually, if we can be really honest, just, just so that we can actually get a full glimpse of the gospel this morning, or maybe not just a little bit more full, like there's actually more legitimate reasons that, that, God, that I'm disqualified from God's call on my life than I could ever know. Like there's more things I've messed up. So, do you ever feel like you're remembering things and like, oh my gosh, I forgot about that, but that was bad. <laughs> Anybody, like is that... It's been weird. Like the last 12 months, that happens all the time. It's the weirdest thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. And that was like 15 years ago and I just remembered it. And I literally have to remember like, oh wait, no, okay, God's still good. Like he's not just remembering this. I'm just remembering this. He still loves me. And you need to hear this this morning because even though there's more things about you than we could even ever know that legitimately disqualify us from the grace of God, the grace of God is better than we could ever actually really know. And so the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit can bring up anything in our life that needs to get straightened out because His grace is sufficient. He's not bringing it up to shame you. His conviction is to lead you to freedom. And here's the other truth. The devil can bring up whatever he wants in your life, and the grace of God is still bigger. Grace of God is still better. If all the devil ever told you was the truth about things you've done, God's still good. He's still better. Come on, somebody. We're like, yeah, come on. Like, it's allowed to set you free. You're allowed to be encouraged in Jesus. You're allowed to believe that the grace of God could be deeper and wider than you have any idea. And you never have to fear anything that's done that, has, that you remember. You never have to fear anything that you don't remember because it doesn't matter because Jesus is good. And anything that's killed you, you're still not dead because Jesus is good. And you need to know this morning that you are only sleeping. You are only sleeping. You are only sleeping. Touch your neighbor and say, you're only sleeping. You are only sleeping. You're only sleeping. You're only sleeping, and it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Let's be done with it. Let's be done with the sleeping, because it's time to wake up. Now. Now is the time to wake up, because Jesus is good. And I love how Jesus treats the mourners throughout this whole situation. In verse 35, they come up and they say, your daughter's dead, don't trouble the teacher anymore. And in verse 36, uh, he, it says, overhearing what they said, Jesus turned to Jairus. So he hears what they're saying and totally ignores them and turns to Jairus. He heard it. He knows the situation, but he, ignore, he turns to Jairus and he says, he, he ignores them and he says, don't fear, only believe. Only believe, Jairus. I know what you're facing, and it's real. Don't be scared. He didn't say, no, it's not that big of a deal. I know she's dead, but it's not that big of a deal. No, it's, don't be afraid. It's true. She's dead, but don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. Then in verse 38, he gets to the house, and he hears all this weeping and wailing, and when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but sleeping. So he sees all the people weeping and wailing and crying. He's like, hey, everybody, Relax. Now he's getting weird, now that there's crowds there, and you're like, he always did the weirdest stuff around crowds, right? 
just to make people uncomfortable. And everyone's like, what? So they're weeping and they're wailing. And then Jesus shows up and says, don't worry. She's not dead. She's just sleeping. And in a moment, they go from weeping and wailing to laughing at him. So what does Jesus do? Verse, which verse is it? 40. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside. And he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and he went in where the child was. Jesus is trying to work the resurrection power in your life. This is what God's up to. If you ever wonder what God's doing in your life, he's trying to work resurrection power through you. It's awesome. He's trying to bring things back to life that you've been told were dead, that, that you've said were dead, that they said were dead, and all he needs from you is for you to just believe. It's all he needs. We read this story. Jarius didn't do anything. Mom didn't do anything. The little girl, she was dead, didn't do anything. Just only believe. Jesus, Jesus looks at him, don't be afraid, just only believe. He needs one thing from you. God needs one thing from you to accomplish his entire will for your life. Only believe, only, only, that's it, just, just believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. Don't worry about how you're supposed to fix this situation, Jarius. Don't worry about how you're gonna move on without this, mom, just believe. Don't worry about all those things you can't go back and fix. Don't worry about all the people you can't go back and talk to. Don't worry about all the people who may or may not come back and make reconciliation for the relationships that were lost, the way you wronged them, the way they wronged you, what they didn't do, what you didn't do. Don't worry about all of those things. Only believe. Either you really got that or totally missed what I was just saying there. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. This is Jesus on the cross. Only believe. Only believe. And then he does the same thing at the grave. Only believe. Look, it's empty. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. That's all I need from you. It's done. (laughs) He's not just saying, I love you. He's saying, it's done. He's not ignoring the problem. He's taking care of it. This is the good news of Jesus. This is why forgiveness, this is why you can forgive because you're not pretending it didn't happen. You're letting Jesus take care of it. This is why you can be free. This is why God is still just because the payment was made for your sin. You just didn't have to pay it, but it was still made. Just believe only believe. Jarius, I know what they said. I can hear them all weeping and wailing. I can see her laying on the bed, but Jarius, I need one thing from you. One thing. Only believe and put everybody else outside. Come on, somebody. It's time for the church to get some attitude. It's time for you to have some attitude about who God's called you to be. And there's some voices in your life. There's some Instagram profiles you follow. There's some situations. There's some memories. There's some devils. There's some friends. There's some family in your life telling you she's dead. That's a great dream. That's great that your pastor said that. That's cool the Bible says that. But that man of God you're trying to be, he's dead. Put him outside. Put him outside. Put them outside. All of them. 
All of them. First, there was a whole crowd following Jesus and Jairus. Then the servants come and they say, hey, don't bother the teacher anymore. She's dead. And Jesus doesn't just look at the servants and say, hey, y'all go away. Go outside. It says that he went forward with only Peter, James, and John and Jairus. So he kicked out the whole crowd with the servants, everybody. Hand-selected a few people because he knew, you may, all these people may not be saying they don't believe, but I know these three believe so they can stay with me. Everybody else, sorry. I need belief. I don't need a crowd. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. This is who God is. And then he shows up to the house and there's weeping and there's wailing. There's all these things going on. So he puts them outside too. Mom, dad, three disciples and Jesus. That's what he needs. I just need some belief. So put them outside. You need to do some spring cleaning this, this year in your life. Get the voices out, get the situations out, the memories out, the doubts out. Put them outside. Put them outside. Whatever's not encouraging your belief and who God's calling you to be, put it outside. Put it outside. God's got too much to do with us for us to worry about what they think and what they say and what didn't, didn't happen. Jesus took care of it. Let's go. It's time to wake up. When God sees an old man with a barren wife, he sees Abraham, the father of nations. When God sees a runaway shepherd in a desert, he sees Moses, the deliverer of a nation. When God sees an adulterer and a murderer, he sees King David, a man after his own heart. When God sees a woman at a well who can't get her life together, he sees an evangelist for a whole region. When God sees a little girl who's died too young, he sees a little girl sleeping. When he sees you, and, 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 but, 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 he sees you, who he made you to be, who he called you to be, who he dreams for you to be, what he wants you to do, what he wants you to be a part of. This is who your God is, and it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up, church. We can't get lulled to sleep by the white noise of ruined lives, the white noise of routine, the lull of religious routine, this and that. We've got to wake up. The drone of excuses, failures, reasons, why not this, why not that? We don't have time. It's time to wake up. Here's the truth. Whoever you are, wherever you are, it's time to wake up. And give your entire life to the reality that Jesus is alive. And he loves you. He loves you. And he's chosen you to know him and to make him known. Everything else is secondary. God wants you to know that right where you are is right where you are. And he's right there. So let's make it work. It's time to wake up. You don't need to be Billy Graham. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to move. You don't need to change your job. You don't need to do any of that stuff necessarily. You've just got to wake up and believe. Wherever you are, there you are, called by God, ready and able to be filled with his spirit, move in his power. Wherever you're stationed, there's your stadium. You are a revivalist. Wherever you're stationed, that's your stadium. Your kids, your house, your marriage, your job, your neighborhood, your disappointment, your sadness, your situation, your success. It's where you are. Only believe. 
only believe. I want you to stand as we close this morning. We are a people who want to hear the word of God and do the word of God and respond to what he's speaking. I believe that God's speaking to us this morning. Has anybody heard God say anything to you this morning? Let's respond. Let's respond to what he says. And we're going to do that song again that we did at the beginning, Who You Say I Am. Okay. We're going to do that song again that we did at the beginning about who you say I am. And we're going to sing it like we believe it. And I want to encourage you this morning to respond. I want to encourage you to come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus and only believe. Jarius, back at the very beginning, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she may be well, be made well and live. I want you to come to Jesus this morning. Because no matter what has died in your life, Jesus wants to touch you, make you well so that you can live. So that you can live. We always have people off to the side if you want to have somebody pray with you, but this morning, we're going to go a little bit overboard because that's what we do around here, right? And if you want to bring your life to Jesus, whether you don't know Jesus right now or you've been following Jesus forever, it's a new day, his mercies are new, so let's just come to the front again. I want you to come to the front this morning as we sing this song. If you're just saying, Jesus, I don't, I don't, I don't even, just touch my life so that I can live and be made well. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to come to the front even now. Come to the front if you just say, I just want to touch from Jesus. I want to sing this song and I want to believe. If you can only believe this morning, I want to encourage you to come. And if you don't move, that's great. But some of you need to move. Not because for somebody else, but for you. You need to know. You need to know that you came to Jesus. You need to know. You need to remember the front of this room. We're going to move out of this room in a few months. And I believe that there's threads on this carpet that hold people's encounters that you'll remember forever. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's not magic that you came to the front, but it's memory for you. And so we're going to believe this morning. I'm going to pray for us. I want you to lift your hands if you can only believe. If all you have is only believing this morning, I just want you to raise your hands as a place of surrender. And God, we bring you our lives this morning. And we say that we're not dead. We're only sleeping. Lord, we bring, you said for our own lives. We said for who you've called us to be, for our city, for the nations of the earth. We believe, Jesus that it's only sleeping. Anywhere that we look, there's not death, there's only sleep, and it's time to wake up. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and move on us right now and help us to believe. Would you come, even in the room right now, Lord, into every seat, into every person in the front, God, I ask that you would touch, that you would touch dead places, that they may be made well and live. It's time to wake up in Jesus' name.